Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is a movie. It's Mortal Kombat The Movie, released in 1995. Mortal Kombat, the movie, was produced by Threshold Entertainment and distributed by New Line Cinema. It was released on August 18th in 1995. Produced by Lawrence Kasanoff and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Now, all of these companies have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And if you heard a woo back there, it's because joining us, as always, for our movie episodes is our special guest host. Abby! So welcome to the show, Abby. Hi, We've let you. you out of your OG RPG jail <laughs> for the night, and you can join us here in the command center. Yes. Hello, all my cartridge comrades. Now, uh, we are super grateful for all of our patrons and what they do for us, but we are uh, missing a cord right now. So audio on their end may be a little spottier than normal, but don't worry. Thanks to those wonderful and fun folks that do support us. We've got another one coming in the mail. Reinforcements are on their way. They are. I did want to mention Threshold Entertainment real quick because they have a very bizarre background. I'm pretty sure that they were uh, they were actually made by Loris Kazanoff just to produce this film. Mm-hmm. But they had then since gone on and made not only the sequel Mortal Kombat's, but also a bunch of resort films. <laughs> okay. So like What's the that? Marvel superheroes 4D at the Madame Tussauds or Whoa. Mission Space and Epcot Disney. But for uh, parents whose children are 15 to 16 year old right now, they also made the Lego film, The Adventures of Clutch Powers, which to the rest of the world means nothing. If your children were into Legos at the specific time that movie came out, there's a chance you had to watch it a hundred times as I did. (laughs) Fair fair enough. Now, the producer of this film, Lawrence Kasanoff, he actually went to Midway to inquire about making this film. It was not just an idea of them or their parent company. It was this guy. He was enamored by the press that the game was getting and decided that he was the one to bring it to life. Did he have any kind of background in martial arts movies or other, you know, fantasy type entertainment movie CD? Um, kind of. <laughs> or he just His uh, producing credits before this uh, include the uh, wonderful 1988 hit You Can't Hurry Love. Uh, he then went on to make Chud 2, Bud the okay. Chud. Uh, he <laughs> is the executive producer of Gnome the Norm. Norm the Gnome? I'm sorry, a, a gnome named Norm. A yes. Gnome named a gnome named Norm. Norm. A horribly mm-hmm. weird and amazing uh, detective film starring a gnome. And then 94 was the year <laughs> he stepped up and did True Lies. Oh, okay. Just for somebody to uh, pursue a property in order to make it into a movie... You would think they would be, or I, I would think that this guy would be uh, especially drawn to martial arts stuff or had some kind of it doesn't experience seem or so something, at all. but he's just like, I, I know where the heat is. Yeah, I think and, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. Oddly enough, he also uh, produced uh, Strange Days. Weird. If you've <laughs> ever seen that interesting film. Yeah, yeah. 
I remember liking it in high school. I have no clue what that is. Oh, you should totally watch it. What is it called? Strange Days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has Julia Lewis. Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett. Wow, no clue. And then more recently, he produced the well-received uh, film Food Fight. Not familiar. Oh, he also directed it. Uh, that was the, I think, released direct-to-video because they were forced to due to licensing agreements. It is a film starring all of the mascot characters from your favorite food, such <laughs> as Charlie the Tuna, Twinkie the Kid, the Vlasic Pickle, Bird, Stork, Mr. yeah. Mr. Peanut? I don't know if he made it into the movie or not, but... How about Little Debbie? Uh, Little Debbie. I hope so. <laughs> and then he does have credits on the new Mortal Kombat film. I'm guessing that was part of his contract when he got the rights so many years ago. Now, if you thought that his uh, film career was full of interesting and maybe less than perfect films, I do want to spend a moment talking about the director of this film, Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, yeah. He has quite the filmography. Well, he's done Resident Evil, right? It's another video game franchise. Almost all of the Resident Evils were either directed or produced by him. He started out with the movie Shopping. It was kind of an independent film. This movie, Mortal Kombat, was his first really big budget film. Mm-hmm. I mean, he followed that up with Event Horizon. Yeah, we just watched that yeah. like a week ago. Yeah, we did. Didn't we see that in the theater? Not me. I, ne- I had never seen it before. Oh, that's a weird movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, he did Soldier, Resident Evil 1, Alien vs. Predator. And then from that point on, it's just Resident Evil movies interspliced with a few other, you know, Death Race, etc. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the new Monster Hunter movie coming out later this year. Wow. Sure, it'll be great. <laughs> as far as the cast of this film is concerned, you know, uh, not a lot of huge names in it. The big three actors of the film or main characters are definitely have a wide range of experience. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have the quote unquote star of the film, Robin Shaw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as this Kang. was yeah, as, Kang. as first major film. Uh, you would probably know him better, though, as uh, the main character opposite Chris Farley in Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I think he still had the mullet in that, too, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, I think that's just part of his uh, his unique I don't look. think it was nearly as wonderfully feathered, though. <laughs> it's gorgeous. There's some gorgeous blowout in this film that really made me want to keep my hair long. <laughs> yeah, when that uh, when we first saw Luke Kang on the screen, Nick's reaction was, It should have been gone! Yes. <laughs> he looks like Steve Perry, man. I can see it. I can see it for sure. And then we have... Lindsay Ashby as Johnny Cage. Yeah, uh, don't really know him from much. I know because he's not uh, in a lot. Yeah, yeah, he's not in a whole lot. He reminds me of a Squeak from Basketball. Oh yeah, he was in a Wyatt Earp. Okay, if you remember that movie. Did he do? He was Morgan Earp. Did he do martial arts in it? No, in fact, he learned all of the martial arts that he knew in this film for this film. Oh, and while it does show a little bit, it does not show nearly as bad as it does for the third actor I want to talk about. Or should I say actress? No, you shouldn't. And that would be one Miss Bridget Wilson. Miss Veronica Vaughn. She is one nice piece. Yeah, when I realized that was her, oh my goodness. Like, that's all I could see for the rest of the movie. That is correct. And this role was actually supposed to be played, oddly enough. It's by Cameron Diaz, right? Yes, by Cameron Diaz, who had to drop out. I think she dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Now, also uh, with the joining the cast, uh, notably would be one Christopher Lambert, Highlander himself, playing Raiden, spelled wrong in this film. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a little odd. You know, you'd think that they would have chosen an Asian 
character or actor to play this part, but yeah, instead they got Christopher Lambert to do some really weird, weird takes for the star power. Yeah. Yes. Although I would like to think that almost as high up there is Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as a Shang Tsung. Because yeah, he's awesome. You may not hear his name a lot, but he is the go-to actor for so many films. If you need a older Asian man, uh, you know, well, he's that, played. Yeah, not, he started not out just an older. Like it's not so much that he's like older and distinguished or anything, but he does have yes. this specific look for bad guys. Well, he I did think. start as a swordsman in Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty big role in The Last Emperor. Yeah, yeah, major. And then after this film and on, he's kind of just been one of the many characters they need in a film. And a lot of them, sadly, have not been the best, such but as he's... Ninja Apocalypse. Yeah. But he was in 47 Ronin. Mm-hmm. And was he a bad guy in that? Because I think he's especially talented at being like a sneering bad guy. As yeah. you know, definitely... Uh, this movie is definitely evidence for that. Well, he does it great, and he really does chew the scenery in this film wonderfully. Now, this film was shot in L.A. for almost all the stages you see, i.e. interiors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any scene that has Goro in it. Uh, but all of the outdoors stuff was filmed in Thailand. Yeah, just like uh, Street Fighter. Only I think the Mortal Kombat people got access to a lot cooler looking locations. True, but in the movie, it's China. Is what right. they say. Yeah, it's the uh, Temple of Light in China. And I don't know where the island is supposed to be. But yeah, anyway, it's Thailand. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, though, apparently the many of the locations they chose were only accessible by boat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as I you can imagine, that. it made this uh, production really easy. <laughs> as far as the box office is concerned, this movie was a hit. It debuted at number one and it maintained that position for three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it made $73 million in the United States, $124 million worldwide. And that made it the highest grossing video game movie until Pokemon, the first movie. Mm. Which I know you saw in the theater, Nick. I did. I saw it with me. <laughs> I was sitting right next to you. One of our many movies of shame. <laughs> it was free. I think yes. the big thing with the Mortal Kombat success, too, when it came out, is um, it's like the last big movie at the end of summer. For kids, mm-hmm. you know, for the age range that it's intended for. So um, I think that was probably, that probably contributed it, you know. Come on, mom, summer's almost over. For sure. And another thing that I think helped it, especially in my group of friends, was the soundtrack. Ooh, yeah. yes. It was a huge deal for the electronic uh, dance music movement and kind mm-hmm. of the industrial scene. This was the first time a lot of the bands on the soundtrack were shared with a wider audience. And the uh, the soundtrack album is the first EDM album to be certified platinum. Yes, not only was it platinum, it went to number 10 on the Billboard Top Album Charts. Wow. And personally, it was the first time I'd ever heard uh, KMFDM. Okay, yeah. But most well, importantly, it was the birth of Techno Syndrome, the awesome <laughs> Mortal Kombat song that everybody knows. Yeah, no one even refers to it as... Uh, it's actual name. It's just the Mortal Kombat song now. In fact, it took me a while to fi- find it when I was trying to find it, I think, for the last podcast, because yeah. it yeah. is not called the Mortal Kombat theme. Yeah. So the Mortal Kombat theme is, um, it was written and performed by this group called the Immortals. Mm-hmm. And the Immortals, uh, that's actually the um, like the pseudonym or stage name 
from uh, the two members from Lords of Acid. Okay. That um, wrote the soundtrack. I think the songs were even featured in the game as well. And of course, it uses you know sound bites and uh, samples from the from the actual game. But that just kind of gives it this extra layer of uh, I don't know controversy <laughs> to have the soundtrack by two people from Lords of Acid. But um, but yeah, like you're saying that this kind of like uh, is how EDM like broke out into the mainstream. Oh yeah, I can yeah. remember. Uh, I think I mentioned this before. One of the kids we knew had a convertible and we took it for lunch in high school once. And he's like, you got to hear this, put in the soundtrack. And we were all blown away. We're like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of credit can be given to the soundtrack to the Mortal Kombat song, as far as like the enduring popularity of, of the movie, which is kind of strange, but I, I think this song actually uh, does a lot of work for, you know, what people remember as a good movie. Oh, for sure. I think people remember this movie very fondly, and I think that song is at the, the core of those fond memories. Mm -hmm. uh, something else, uh, just talking about, you know, things that uh, were maybe born from the video game and the movie, uh, the Mortal Kombat Live Tour. You guys heard of this? Hmm. Okay. No. Well, <laughs> Was this uh, like a sister tour to the Coming Out of Their Shells Turtles tour? <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah, it was just like an exhibition of martial artists slash actors in costumes. You know, they sort of had like a storyline and everything, but it had all the music. Um, so in my mind, I'm like, this is the, the closest any of these preteen children will get to go into a rave. Because <laughs> it, is, it is, it's just, uh, yeah, they're just like jamming out to light shows and techno just watching some people, you know, spin some stabs and stuff like that. Nunchucks. <laughs> Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. But actually, it was criticized for the amount of violence, which it's like, I mean, come on, guys. It's like ice capades, but no ice. But somehow it was <laughs> like, keep your children away. It's too violent. I think at that time, they were always looking for any mm -hmm. kind of scapegoat. Yeah. It has begun. Well, Nick, this is a major release from a studio that doesn't have a ton of experience out there. What was its poster like? Well, well the answer is <laughs> way too simple. It's just the symbol, right? The dragon? It is just the Mortal Kombat symbol with the tagline, nothing in this world has prepared you for this. I'm sorry, nothing in this world. I guess they're hinting that there is another world out there, the Ooh. outer world. Another world. You know, this is entirely relying on the fact that you know Mortal Kombat and are pumped about the franchise. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's... it does help to have the background information from you know from the game. I mean, the characters are already developed and they have real specific costumes and, well, and stuff like that. So yeah, I think they got away from it in the '90s. I would love to see like an '80s style like painting of like all the characters mm -hmm. together in a tower, a la you know Drew Struzan. <laughs> Hey, pal, when the ship comes in, could you put these on board? You want me to carry your luggage? Yeah, I pay money, you carry the bags. Or is that too complicated? No. I got it. Good. God, I didn't ask him to park the car. 
Well, Abby, and then Nick, what was your personal history with Mortal Kombat, the movie? Ladies first. Uh, Personal history, I think just like everybody else here that uh, went to the movie theater to see it in the summer. I can't remember where I lived at the time, but I'm pretty sure I had to stand to attention for the national anthem at the beginning of it. (laughs) <laughs> Gotta love those military, uh, those base movie theaters. Yeah, um, uh, you'd actually be wrong. I did not see this in the theater. Oh, really? That is uh, that is shocking, Shrock. At all in any form. Uh, I think I've seen some bits of it on TV, but I had never watched it. In fact, the problem for me was that I was way too cool for school at this point, and I was into serious films only. <laughs> so I wasn't gonna deal with the trash that was Mortal Kombat. Well, too bad. How about you, Nick? Nothing prepared you for no for this. <laughs> well, I I know I saw this movie and I don't remember if it was in the theater or not because I didn't I wasn't like real into it and even though like I was kind of shocked that Street Fighter had come out first and I don't wasn't a fan of that you know so I was like I don't know but we ended up seeing it you know whether on video or not but I, I was like with eh, whatever it it did strike me as being more faithful to the source material than Street mm-hmm. Fighter or <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, as far as video game movies go, you know? Yeah. Now, Abby, did you watch this ever again after seeing it in the theater? Yeah, I watched it a couple of times, actually. It, it was one of those movies where, you know, like your family's getting together with like some other family and you're forced to hang out with their kids. Yeah. So just well, you go, are just go put this like, movie on. You are just a, like a two, three years younger than us. Yes. And it, while it doesn't make a difference at this point in our lives, you know, the difference between being a salty 15 or 16 year old and a 12 year old, you, you do accept a lot more out of the, the movies that you watch, I think, at that age. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not like nowadays where, you know, you can find your own entertainment, you know, as as That's kids. It's, for sure. You, you just take what you're given. <laughs> exactly. If so much as touch your kingdom, you're going to need to see my daughter. Well, then what was your more recent experience with this movie, guys? Uh, well, we watched it. We watched it. Not in the theater. Okay, bummer. <laughs> you guys didn't rent a theater out for this? <laughs> I, I wish we would have. We couldn't keep it secret, so. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I also watched this movie. In fact, I made my whole family watch it, as I usually do for these. <laughs> I wasn't yes. sure if it was going to be a little too much for my daughter, but I was pretty sure that it was goofy and cartoony enough that it wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty much fine with most of it. And oddly enough, they all actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, You know, as we'll get into, it's a little slow to start. But, you know, once the ball starts rolling, and I think if you're watching it with a group of people, it kind of lightens the mood of it a little bit. And we could all kind of joke and and make our, you know, lighthearted comments as it went along. We're normally pretty um, quiet. I make sure everyone's off their phones. And we treat films with a little more gravitas here. But a movie like this is not up to those same standards. Oh, ducky. The, um, yeah, I think for, for kid, I mean, obviously it is a kid's movie. Not that I'm saying Mortal Kombat is obviously for kids, but this movie is obviously for kids. So, I, yeah, I can't imagine a kid even like nowadays, like your kid's age. I can't imagine a little kid being like, please turn this off. Does it have enough gravitas for me? No, I, I scarred her more with the... Uh... <laughs> Last Godzilla movie than this one for sure. Oh, bless her heart. Oh. We got a guy with things coming out of his hand. We got another guy who freezes stuff. And then there's a man who, as far as I can tell, is made out of electricity. I mean, how did he disappear like that? What is going on here? Who is this guy? 
All right, folks, here we are in the general chat portion of our show. And I would just like to start by almost repeating what I said for the Street Fighter film. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's not the Jean-Claude Van Damme actor. It's the Jean-Claude Van Damme character that they've given all of the cheesy one-liners to in this movie, even at times that are horribly inappropriate. Oh, oh, sure. And that would be Johnny Cage, by the way. Yeah. Johnny Cage. Yeah, and for somebody who wants to prove how dedicated they are to martial arts, like he, he has like zero respect for anybody. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, any of so often I feel like he's in a different film. He's like in a wacky comedy. Yeah. And no one else is in that level. Yeah, everybody else looks like, you know, pirates and swashbucklers and stuff like that. But he's always got like his, you know, button up blouse with this. I and making like 10 up. minutes of luggage jokes. Yeah, yeah. The Whoa. only the only one only muscles of his you ever see are just uh you know forearms and that's it. Mm. I, I hate his shirt. It angers me every time I see it. It was like turquoise where I'm like, take that off, you loser. You're in a it's fighting also, tournament. Yeah. Well And that's he, funny too, because most of the costumes in this movie are really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, they're very faithful. Well, I you know, speaking of being faithful to the video game, who fights without a shirt on? Is it, doesn't Johnny Cage fight with no shirt oh, yes. on in the video game? Mm-hmm. So, okay. does Luke, so does Luke Kang instead of his weird strappy tankini or whatever the hell he's wearing. That... What is that about martial arts movies where these martial arts guys manage to get these tank tops that are like the the most stretched out tank tops? <laughs> I, I swear to God, I've never seen a stretched out tank top more often than in martial arts films. And it's yeah. like, it, it's like open back and the... The sides go like down to your hips. Like oh, I was baffled by this it's like, shirt. It's like what you would wear if you were forced to wear like a shirt and a no shirts, no shoes, no service kind of establishment. <laughs> yeah. Where you're just doing it out of spite. But yeah, I think you know most of the other people's uh, costumes, like Sub Zero and all the other ninjas, those are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Raiden does that thing where he only wears his hat for like two minutes, but no one gets hats in movies. You know, yeah. Marvel. So many, many, many films before people were allowed to wear their proper headgear. And what about Kano? What's up with his thing? His eye? Like, is that a plate on it? Because the guy makes a joke at one point where he's like, you'll need a, a seeing eye dog or something if you don't, if if you screw up my plan to where I'm like, so that's not a cyborg eye? They don't treat it like it. You know, it's it's really weird. It's an yeah, infrared... I don't think they know what they're doing with that. I just know from the, from the game, it's an infrared eye. Yeah, well, in later ones, he shoots lasers out of it and stuff, like, but... I'm not at this point in the the video game series, but they just like nobody <laughs> bats an eye. At, yeah. You know what I mean? Or well, even yeah, says it, anything. It is, it's bizarre how like they treat him as a totally normal human being and no one is at all surprised that he has a part cyborg. Yeah, it's so weird. Another thing too, uh, speaking of dudes with their shirts off in this movie or shirts on um, inappropriately, um, Kano's uh, chest hair looks awesome. I was going to say, I love it, actually. So I'm yeah. glad you agree. Yeah, I was, uh, I was down with that. Now, I'll tell you what I don't like is how crazy long Goro's chest was. Um, I don't like anything about Goro. He looks gross and weird and goofy. Like He looks See, like I, he should be in my... Five Nights at Freddy's or something. He's not cool. I don't know. I disagree. I, I That was my only complaint about Goro, to be honest with you. I really liked everything else about him just because it is a little stiff at times. And he is a puppet, you know, an animatronic. There's a human mm-hmm. that has a suit over the top of his half of his body, right? Yeah, yeah. kind of like Big Bird. 
Yes. Yeah. And he can't see at all. He's got a screen in there. And there's another uh, operator who is just doing the arms and those arms mimic the other operators arms in a special rig. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think that looks a thousand times better than it would have looked uh, if it was CG. As we can tell from the other bizarre character in this movie, Reptile. Yeah. Reptile looks like crap. It is horrible. Uh, the only thing that looks looks worse than Reptile is the bizarre choice to make get over here scorpion that's his name the bizarre choice to make scorpions kunai or whatever into a living creature in his hand it's so gross and weird and not cool i don't it's a dumb idea from a dumb person i don't get it because everything about it looks like it was so much harder to do than just making a guy throw a thing yeah i i don't i don't get it at all and like Man, any of the time you see that thing, like when it's close to Johnny Cage's face, it looks awful. It looks like really bad CG. That's because it is really bad CG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, main thing I don't like about it is that it's that it, the little mouth it, it has also screams. Yeah, it's like a creature. It does not make it's it's so weird. Wholly unnecessary. Yeah, and there's nothing intimidating about it. It doesn't ever actually do anything that special until the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's it's just a little rat thing now i do want to talk about the fight scenes of this movie just real quick at first i was like oh this is going to be so long and so hard to watch because the fight scenes in the first chunk of the movie are so slow and so full of bad slow motion shots Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then luckily once the white people are done fighting each other (laughs) we get all of the people that actually have martial arts experience and i feel like all of those fights are really pretty well shot and choreographed. Yeah, there's some decent ones. Like, I really, I think Reptile versus, you know, the, the humanoid Reptile, not the yes. creature. Uh, him versus Liu Kang was probably the best fight mm-hmm. for me. I, anyway. I think Johnny Cage, actually, his fight with uh, Scorpion's not too bad either. It's, I mean, yeah. it's epic, Once they like... move into that demon realm or whatever. Hell. <laughs> but I do want to say it is... 40 minutes into this movie before the first real fight of the tournament. That doesn't need, that's, that's a bad move in my, like, <laughs> in my I book. agree. And, and it is, a, that's the, that is the hardest part of this movie is that, that first chunk waiting to get to something interesting. Well, and it's like, you know, they're over explaining these, you know, I guess weird, but I mean, not that complex backstory. You know what I mean? Like they they yeah. really go into it to a degree that is not necessary or warranted. For me, the only saving grace is that they are often on very ridiculously set-looking sets. Yeah, I, I did like I like the sets. There's that one courtyard that they're in. Four they walk through two. that courtyard at least eight times. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looks like it's a it's from an amusement park or something. Yeah, it's like where you wait in line to get on the spooky ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it reminds me of uh, Labyrinth, also. Mm. Like where everything has this like glittery sheen on it and like anywhere they can put like a little sprinkle of moss or, yeah yeah you know, something like that. Yeah, there's something. Oh, yeah. The moss guy was so busy that day. Yeah. Yeah. There's something incredibly decorative <laughs> about the movie. Uh, I really also loved the the ship that they take. The ghost ship. The ghost ship. Not only does it look ridiculous, <laughs> but all of the shots when they're on the ship, like the quote night sky behind them is the worst backdrop of like <laughs> painted star dots ever. It's wonderful. That ship is hilarious because it, re- it reminds me of like an Asian version of the Flying Dutchman from yes. uh, SpongeBob, <laughs> the cartoon where I was just like, this 
should be it looks straight out of scooby-doo or something it's so goofy yeah for sure i did like the fact that the little boats they took from the big boat also have like the dragon head on them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thought that was a nice little touch yeah i wonder what like the life jackets and lifeboats and stuff like that was like i don't i don't think they had any <laughs> yeah I, I think the the problem for me with this movie and to a degree also with street fighter was that you know you're taking these fighting games and you're trying to make like an adventure movie out of them. Like it should be Bloodsport, not Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever you think you're moving. You know, this right. you, we're here for one reason, and it's not their inner troubles or you know, I don't know. Yeah, like the only motivation should be revenge yeah. for every one well, of these people. There is a whole subplot. I mean, it's very lightly hinted at uh, that was cut from the film, and they did film a few scenes for it. Whereas the love story, quote unquote, between katana and Liu kang right right which whatever that makes sense i mean i wish there was another scene to explain the two of them just being in love at the end yeah Yeah. it's bizarre and the last thing i do want to talk about is the highlander himself ah yes christopher lambert is really doing something with this role and i'm not sure what it is yeah yeah. you know he's trying to be like his normal accent I have no idea what his real accent is, to be honest with you. From Highlander, he's all over the place. But, like, he's clearly going for, like, I'm a funny, kind of sarcastic Obi-Wan role thing going on here. Yeah, I it just does not work. I had, I, I had to ask you, where I was like, is uh, is Raiden funny in the in the video game? Is he, like, <laughs> wisecracking all these one-liners? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very odd choice, for sure. It's just the land bear. Listen. What you're about to face is vastly more important than your ego, your enemy, or your quest for revenge. You have embarked on a sacred mission. You have been chosen to defend the realm of Earth in a tournament called Mortal Kombat. All right, folks, this is it. The scene-by-scene portion of our show. And we're going to take this movie one scene at a time. But, you know... Like I said, this is not Citizen Kane, so I am not going to dwell on any one aspect (laughs) of it for too long. And honestly, the only notes I have for the beginning of this movie is this intro fright is the slowest thing I've seen in so long. (laughs) I mean, was that like new for its time or something? Like, it seemed like they were really, you know, they spent some money on that, I guess. And was it supposed to be incredibly impressive or was that like a standard thing at that time? I don't remember. I don't think so. I just I just Mm -hmm. think it's a choice they made and they really went with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the whole beginning of this movie is just so jumbled. Yeah, and unnecessary in a way, <laughs> you know? Like... Yeah, yeah, and confusing too. It's like they they just like brush upon these. Uh, it's just like a light sprinkle of background information about our main characters that get introduced here, like Liu Kang's brother. Why did he get killed by sh- by the bad guy? I don't no one knows, that. and they no one knows they never that. explain how he came to this world, why he fought him, why he killed him. Any yeah, of that. yeah, nothing, nothing about that. And then, um, oh, Sonia. So then we see Sonia in her like intro, and she's like storming through this club at night, and there's crowds of people dancing, and there's and they're a just band. pistol whipping people left and right. Dude, yeah, she's just like roaming through this cloud. People aren't even like facing her direction, and she's it is still, like, I have this shotgun, and I'm smashing people out of the way, and. Okay, she's wearing a uniform, which is black pants, black turtleneck, black hat. 
but mm-hmm. there is no insignia, no identifying no. information. I I didn't know what she was other than. Well, luckily, I think all those people are on some heavy drugs, but because they don't even like respond to this squad of people beating them yeah. through the club. Maybe that's like the least violent thing that normally happens in that club. Maybe it's like now, a club from Blade or something. I she do want to put that just in time. Yes. Now I do want to. Um, I wouldn't mean to mention this earlier. I, people might be wondering why we did not do this film after Mortal Kombat won the game. But that is because this movie incorporates a few elements from the game Mortal Kombat 2 as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. And one of those is that her uh, sidekick or partner in crime is Jax. Yeah. Yeah, he gets like one uh, five-second scene where mm-hmm. we at least hear her say his name out loud, but then that's it. Yes. And then he has the worst acted scene of the film a little later on. <laughs> uh, we get introduced to Johnny. He's in a, a fight scene, but of course it doesn't go right. And he has to make fun of the people he works with. Mm-hmm. And then Shang Tsung impersonates his mentor or his Kung Fu master. Yes. Yeah. Master Boyd. Show some respect. Master Boyd. Yeah. Overweight. A Kenny Tubby White guy? dude. Yeah. 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 I want to know what he's a master of. I'm guessing it's karate. Movie karate. So Master Boyd tells Johnny Cage about this tournament and everything and hands him like this little ancient scroll and Johnny hilarious. Like, looks at it and is like, yeah, okay. He's the only person who gets a scroll. And, I and that scroll Shang looks Sung like such a movie prop. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. You know, we know it's Shang Tsung because he shape changes, mm-hmm. which is a Mortal Kombat move. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of this movie is you're introduced to all these characters and they all have to get funneled to this boat taking off from some weird dock in Hong Kong, which uh, has my favorite part of the movie, which is when uh, Sonya Blade is for some reason. Oh, it's she's trying to get Kano because he killed her old partner Mm -hmm. and they're staking out this dock waiting for him to go on the boat. And when she sees him go on the boat, she chases after him and Jax in the least enthusiastic way possible yells, wait. Don't go. <laughs> Don't. Well, before it, that scene. It was so good. Like, his lack of enthusiasm made me laugh for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, nobody reacts in this movie. It's no. it's pretty crazy. Like the scene right before Sonia gets on the ship is when Johnny Cage is with all of that luggage. And Luke Kang is walking by and he's like, hey, hey, uh, carry my badge for me. I'll give you some money. Right. And Luke yes. Kang is just like, yeah, sure takes the money and then grabs the suitcase and throws it over. Into I the thought water. that was legit funny. I thought it was legit funny too, but I also thought they were going to fight. That just seemed yeah. like a reason to fight. If no, no, no fighting fun. allowed. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's got a good reason to fight. That was the only good reason for anybody to fight. Um, now, I know it's a joke, but it is ridiculous that, that Johnny Cage has like at least eight giant Louis Vuitton bags. Yeah. Like, even if you thought this was a posh, you know, uh, tournament that was on a vacation island somewhere, who would take eight bags for one weekend of tournament? Yeah. Didn't that scroll say, like, what the activities were going to be, things that you need to bring? Yeah. I think the, tr- the the key is, is that Johnny is actually illiterate and he didn't want anyone to know. So he just pretended mm-hmm. like he could read that scroll. Kind of like how he wants to prove that he's an actual martial artist. Yes. Which is hilarious. Didn't you say the arc. actor... The actor wasn't even a martial artist, and he's playing a character that's trying to prove that he's not just a movie actor, he's a martial artist. Yes. Whoa. That's pretty meta. Pretty deep. But yeah, like you said, Sonia, uh, she like muscles her way onto the boat, and then that's where our three main characters, you know, actually meet each other. But 
so Sonia is like storming her way around, like looking for Kano. And she comes up to, to Luke King and Johnny Cage. She has a handgun. She sticks it under Johnny Cage's, Johnny Cage's chin. Mm-hmm. It's touching his head underneath her chin. She's like, says something and uh, Luke King is like, hey, take it easy. She's just doing her job. And <laughs> nobody asks her what her job is. But just assume like, hey, if someone sticks a gun on your face, in your face, they they must they must be doing their job. Yes. Also, Johnny Cage was not really that scared, which was kind of uh, amazing. Yeah, no reaction. Nobody reacts no reaction. to anything. Uh, after that, though, yeah. that's when we get our introduction to Raiden. Yeah, he appears on the on the deck of the ship. Uh, doesn't he? Uh, isn't he like an orb of light? Or is that in the next scene? I think it's in the next scene because I think there's also. Like this oh, flaming skull in the sky. Oh man, those and... skulls look so awesome. <laughs> yeah. The screaming, flaming skulls. Uh, so, you know, it's all kind of fluid in my mind, but as she's looking for Kano, Shang Tsung is like, oh, it's you. Which, do they ever explain why he's so uh, intent on getting her no, into the tournament? Got a thing for her, I guess. He just got the hots for her from another I, dimension? Yeah, I guess. Well, he's trying to get them to fight. And then, of course, uh, Raiden pops in and he's like, hey, I got to talk in this weird voice. And uh, you know the rules. No no fighting until the tournament starts, Shang. I'm going well, to hold you to the rules. One of like two or three of Raiden's like, I appear for an expedition dump slash pep talk. Yes. So, and then here's the thing that I thought was really funny, and they bring it up at least two or three times in the movie, especially once here, is that the thing that is stopping the outer world from taking over our world is that they have not won 10 of these tournaments in a row. Mm-hmm. And it has to be in a row, which is the funny part. It's it's a unnecessary choice. <laughs> like, why don't they just be like, if ninth. they win? Nine in a row now. So this is the big one, the big 10. Yeah. I just love that they were like, it's in a row, guys. So the good guys only have to win one out of every ten. Yeah. To keep Earth in like pretty cool. What happens if Earth wins all ten? Do we get to invade the outworld? Yeah, and I think it's only it, fair. Why does it have to be a secret tournament? Like if the fate of the entire Earth is on mm-hmm. the line, like why aren't we as one as the human race, like producing the best fighters and sending them to know. this tournament to keep us all from being taken over by demonic forces? But uh once that Raiden has given his nice little explanation exposition dump. He does my second favorite line of the movie, which is, I think, uh, look, it has begun. And then he turns into that ball. And I'm like, what has? You, nothing was explained properly. What's begun? <laughs> it hasn't begun. They're not even on the island yet. And doesn't he starts laughing after that, like kind of yeah. ominous. He's like, ha, yes. ha, ha. And then he goes, sorry. Like, oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. So they get to the island. Of course, mm-hmm. no one wants to help Johnny with all his luggage, but he's still taking it all for some well, reason. Just before, I mean, so they're on the ship and it's always at night and it's all spooky and misty. But then there's a shot. It shows them arriving at the island and it mm-hmm. is magical. Like, it I don't, looks it's great. Like, yeah, it's like the only good shot. And it's also the only shot probably that's in like a natural space and not a set. Um, yeah, especially at this stage of the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, John, Johnny Cage, the, the sweet boats, the little boats have taken the shore. And uh, they have to climb a gigantic staircase. Well, I just thought it was funny that he attempted to carry all that luggage and get off the boat. And like a true martial artist who was a master of his body, uh, he just fell faceward into the water. But, yeah. Well, and he didn't even, well, the funny part about that is he didn't even like attempt to stop himself. Yeah. He's just a funny guy. Yeah. 
So once they're on the beach, they have to, you know, cross it, climb a mountain, basically. It does have stairs. Stairs? It has stairs. Stairs built, carved into it. And you think at the top, they're going to, you know, get to some sort of temple, some sort of big, grand thing. But somehow at the top, they go into a cave. Yeah. And it makes no, like, physical (laughs) sense at all. And you can't blame it on the outworld. We're still on Earth. Yes. Uh, they have a a, a feast that invite you know an invitational feast to get to know each other, and uh, they are also treated to a little exhibition match. Finally, I do like that they have that little throwaway line where Shang Sun says that normally Scorpion and Sub Zero are mortal enemies, but he's they're under his control. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. which would have been to, nice you know, not if make like, Scorpion rebelled or something later. But here you get to see Scorpion freeze and kill a nameless minion. Yep. Which, but you, you know, do get right. the follow-up one-liner of flawless victory. Oh, I was just going to say it. You beat me to it. Yeah, that's like... Well, don't first, worry. Yeah. <laughs> you got two more chances this film. <laughs> one of which was not flawless at all. Uh, and and here is a thing, too, that I was very disappointed with. I remember as a kid and an adult was they have to do this thing where it's like, all right, Sub-Zero is going to freeze him. So he has to, like, gather his energy for four minutes and then you know it, it's it's just a normal move in the game <laughs> like they, they try yeah. to build it up and it's like it's cool but it you know if it's going to take him five minutes the other dude should have just ran up to him and <laughs> or something you know it's just goofy or you know what he's charging up for so maybe take some maybe take some maneuver or evasive action yeah or he's just sitting there i don't know yeah. you know or just throw something at him yeah yeah turkey leg yeah, there's. I think it was funny that before that ter- before the exhibition though, they just take all the tables and and throw all the food off of them that they just so brought bad. out. <laughs> I know. I was like, these poor guys weren't even done eating. You guys just tossed the food out of the way. Yeah, right before Shang Tsung is like, everyone take take pleasure while you can still. And food is a pleasure, but now, yeah, and then just throws all the tables and all the other tables and all the food. I, we are introduced to the rest of the crew here at this point and uh, the other fighters and also the quote unquote love interest. Uh, we find Princess Katana is in a, from from the outer world, outworld, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she makes some eyes oh, at Liu Kang. She hardly moves. It, she looks like she's just like a fetish pinup photograph. Yes. Like, I don't even oh, think My eyes were drawn to a much more delicious sight the wonderful CG that was Reptile. <laughs> I had forgotten about this kind of like I remember. Be, I remember the reptile looking bad, but it's like he's talking, and there's the statue of the little creature reptile, and I was like, that statue looks so stupid. And then it started moving. And I was like, oh my gosh! Like, and I'm not just talking about the CGI quality. Like, this is a dumb looking design. Whoever made it up, they should get a punch. Well, it's far too cartoony looking to be a real creature. Yeah, it looks like it's from yeah. a commercial for like bubble gum or something yeah it's like the geico gecko's brother or something no the, the sad part is the geico gecko looks like a more realistic creature oh, yeah. than that thing does definitely uh the reptile is told to spy on the, uh, her or them it's very who knows he'll just show up later yep and then as this the point where they all go looking for kano because they can't let um sonia do it herself well they also um the three of them want to get to the bottom of this in quotations. So they're talking about, you know, the tournament and the consequences and Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. Like up until this point, they've said, like, let's get to the bottom of this. Could the legends be true? And it's like, you guys should know by now that all of this is real. Like, I, I don't know what, what there's left for them to, to like discover, saw, find out or solve. 
a lightning man turn into a ball of energy. You saw flaming ghost skulls. A man yeah. harness ice and freeze another human. Liu Kang had a nightmare with Shang Tsung killing his brother. Yeah. But nope, they decide to go and get to the bottom of it by wandering around some caves. Well, first they got to walk through that one courtyard oh, yeah. at least twice. Mortal courtyard. But yes, uh, lots of caves until they stumble upon Kano eating the most glistening looking dinner of all time. Yeah, dude, I was like, bangerang. What? It looks yeah. like when they're eating a hook. It does. Uh, but I mean, someone was coming through and misting that food with glycerin between and every shot. Kano. Yeah, and misting Kano. Kano. <laughs> Which this but, scene is way too long. They yes. don't really learn anything. It just is kind oh. of there to show off Goro and establish that Kano is a gross slob. We learned that Goro's a prince, okay? Yeah, he's a prince of this the important world. information. Prince right. of the under underworld creatures? I don't know. Outer world. No, he's from the underworld in the outer world. Mm. Wow. Yeah, wrap your brain around that. <laughs> but he but Goro doesn't stick around to fight. Neither does uh Kano either. Um at this point. Another banquet is interrupted by a group of faceless fighters that just work for Shang Tsung. But they come in, and then our three main characters have to fight all of them. And this is another right. kind of weak fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but what's her head? Uh, Veronica Vaughn is just awful. See, I didn't. I thought she was better than Katana in her little fight scene. I mean, she barely well, does that's not much, saying anything. Yeah. All she does is do that slow motion kick spin and stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, and her feet mostly just stay planted on the ground, too. Like, yes. Yeah, she she hardly moves at all. So this is a brilliant fight where it's mostly just uh, putties, faceless guys. You can see them, like, get fake hit and then just walk backwards slowly away from, yeah. away from like, the, the good guys or whatever. Or sometimes they're, you know, when they're cutting in between the three characters in these fight scenes, sometimes it'll cut to one and they just do, like, a sweet pose. Or like yes. spin something or like, you know, something like that. And then they, you know, cut to the other people. So it's like, well, thanks for that pose. But before it gets too rough on our, our heroes, Raiden enters the scene and uh, saves their bacon. Yep. Not without getting a few one-liners in of his own. Sure, sure. But at this point, the movie has now decided to actually pick up its pace and become a martial arts film. Yeah. So we have our first fight. Yeah, like an hour and five minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. And from this point on, the pace is pretty good. Yeah. They have, this is also very, very Enter the Dragon inspired. Sadly, not as Enter the Dragon inspired as I would have wished. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely was like ripping off. I mean, yeah. Well, the visuals, the backgrounds, that's it. You know, none of the cool action really. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no, they, they tried. Maybe we'll talk about it later, but you can like beat for beat see how they were, you know, trying to get the Enter the Dragon. Uh, oh, yeah espionage vibe so i think lou is the first one to, to fight yeah and who does he fight some guy just, just some guy just some loser guy like you couldn't have pulled anyone else from the roster on this no no and i no. counted it the luke gets hit twice and the other dude gets hit four times before he mm. is defeated which is just laying down in the sand and like breathing real hard and i'm like i thought well, mortal Kombat was like you beat them until they're luke kang's not a killer no, that's true. But uh, it doesn't stop doesn't... Shang Tsung from stealing his soul. That's right. That is our second major Mortal Kombat 2 nod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think get... Sonya is next. Yeah, yeah. She gets to fight Kano. And does she ever? She murders that dude. Yeah, she, she kills him. 
Snaps his neck. Breaks his neck. It's awesome. Yeah. I but, was kind of surprised. Yeah, not after he like kicked her while she was down on the ground. Like that move was like I was like, oh my god, I need to like call an abuse hotline or something. Like it 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 looked uh, very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next big fight is the Scorpion Johnny Cage fight, and the first half of it is awful. Which is a shame because I really like the. It's in that like forest the grid one or what you know what i mean where all the trees are lined up i was like this is pretty cool but it's mostly just him running from the snake hand thing like you know that can like whip around trees and go around corners and stuff like that but you can also just grab the end of it and rip it off yeah because he does (laughs) but the weirder part is that then a, a scorpion like pulls him into some other dimension yeah, well, I think this is actually, you know, because he does kind of teleport at least once in the forest. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like he was teleporting and Johnny Cage grabbed onto him and went to another. Well, at this point, it looks way cooler because it's in a like a skull filled uh, construction zone. Yeah, it yeah. looks like a heavy metal album cover. Lots of scaffolding, lots of skulls. It's a, it's a pretty good fight. And but it's kind of weird in that. They keep zooming out and showing these like big wide shots of this like, whoa, look at this set. But they really don't move that much around. No, because like, they're stuck on like an elevated platform. Yeah, they're on just the one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, why are is all, there all this cool stuff that you can't or won't touch, you know? Like you can tell in the filming that they, they never had like a camera on a crane or anything like that. No. They're on the ground and then the scaffolding is high up. So a lot of the scenes, the camera is actually, or the the biggest thing in the shot is the bottom of this platform. You yes. can't even see them. You can't even see them fighting. You just see like dust falling off of it. But good thing that scaffolding is there because that's one of the ways Johnny Cage gets the upper hand over Scorpion when he does uh, parallel bars, uh, yeah. swing around and kick, kick to the <laughs> chest. Uh, yeah, it's very reminiscent of the second yes. Jurassic Park movie. No, it's the third one. They cut her from the team. I do want to say, though, I think this fight is one of the better fights just because there is a back and forth. It's never just like one person's getting their butt kicked the whole time. Like, you know, you never know who's going to win this fight because they do a good job of making it a story. Yeah. But Johnny Cage is the victor of this fight. Yeah, he cuts him in half with this serrated shield and then like his mask comes off and it's like this flaming skull. Yeah. He takes his skull, his mask off, shows his flaming his skull, and he breathes fire at him oh, before yeah. he gets killed. That's how he gets the shield. That's right. That's right. He stops the fire with the shield and then kills him with it. But the best part of this entire fight is the end of it. As the room is on fire, you see, waft down onto the floor, Johnny's friendship. Yeah, yeah. The headshot. His little headshot. Love, Johnny. So and how I, does he get out of here? How did he get there? Doesn't matter. Okay, well, I was just curious if I couldn't remember. I was like, and then he's just yeah. back at the place. They just yeah. cut to it another the next scene. Well, good, yeah. good for them. After he wins, he just kind of casually is like, "Well, that's over with." But it's like, was it, that an official tournament fight? Because the first official tournament fight on the beach, I, real original. You know, that seemed like official. There were people yes. watching and everything. So was this fight even part of the tournament? You know, I, I know. who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I don't think this tournament was run as rule heavy as Raiden thought it was going to be. Next one is oh. uh, Liu, Liu Kang and Katana, another another yeah, one on the beach with an exact. Put some air quotes around yeah. the word "fight" on that one. Right, but yeah, I mean, really, this is just a scene for her to somehow let him know that she's on his side, but still wants to like make it look like a crappy fight. Well, 
Well, she's trying to fool Shang Tsung. Who's not um, fooled at any point. He's like warning her. He's like, hey, <laughs> knock off your cra- funny stuff. Yeah. Well, and she gives him the warning where she's like, in your next fight, use the element of life. And, oh man, I love so that she lame. tells him that. Because the <laughs> fight's over, and the next fight starts off right away. Yeah, well, because it's like, first you see Raiden dressed as like a servant, and he, he puts some buckets of water in some room, and you're like, what's going on? And then Liu Kang comes in, and then Sub-Zero comes in, and you're like, oh, okay, I, I see. Yes, he's going to fight uh, Sub-Zero. And, you know, this fight's not too bad either. But what kills me is that it's been about mm, a minute and 30 seconds, maybe two minutes since we heard that advice and seen water placed on the floor. And hear her voiceover again while she's making eye contact with Liu Kang. The voiceover and she wanders into the room. I was like, we can remember something for like a minute or two people. Liu Kang has the memory of a goldfish. Apparently. Um, Yeah, none of them can get to the bottom of this, so. They, they need this constant uh, reminding of how to function. And so he does use the water. Uh, he throws a bucket of it at Sub-Zero, who, as he does his very slow buildup mm-hmm. that Nick loves. <laughs> it turns into a giant spike and kills him. Yeah, and he freezes. And guess what he doesn't do? Explode. Sadly, like everybody yes. else who gets hit with that power. So unsatisfying. And then we have Goro's first fight. Well, first, first uh, montage. Of uh, dudes hitting the ground. Oh man, that him. goes yeah. on for so long. <laughs> and does. they all land in such a way that's like doesn't look like they were fighting. It looks like they were thrown. Yeah, I felt like I was watching like a Naked Gun movie or something. <laughs> it just went yeah. on so long. Yeah. So yeah, you just see those guys hit the ground like they've just been tossed. Um, but what could be tossing them? I know. But then before we even see Goro, though, we see we actually see an opponent. At the start of the fight, and it is uh, what's his name? Art. It's Art. The black guy. Art Lean. Art Lean, yes. who's a friend of Johnny Cage's, uh, and uh, so he's you know he's screwed, and he's he toast. he gets yes. demolished by Goro and dies. But for some reason, we get to he's care about this guy. Him. Yeah. And apparently, there was a scene where they had like a funeral for him. Guess well, guess has... where the funeral was? I saw it was in the courtyard. It was in the courtyard. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Well, he is a he is a fighter with an American accent, so yeah. you get treated much better than everyone else. I do like the fact that Shang Sun gets another good line out. Finish yes. him! Oh yeah, I think he says flawless victory again. And he might say that as well. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny because when he goes to finish him, he just like hits him awkwardly. Yeah. yeah. But I did love that, and my son was like, "That's not a finisher." I go, "No, that was him trying to do the fatality, but screwing it up." <laughs> where you just accidentally like hit them and then they fall over and you're like, oh, I didn't get it. Yeah, it's a disappointment. Indeed. But yeah, so all of our our main ca- our heroes, our main characters, they're all disheartened now after this uh, brutal slaying of Art Lean. Uh, and so sadly, all... one of our main characters has to fight Goro next. Mm-hmm. So they all meet up in the in the courtyard, and that's where Raiden comes to dispense some more wisdom upon them. And he like riles them up a little bit. Yeah, and Johnny Cage is like, I'm fighting Goro tomorrow. Yeah, like he volunteered for that one. Or calls him out. Yeah. And it's a good thing out. he did because mm-hmm. he had a plan going in. Yeah. Uh, right yeah. off the bat, Johnny Cage uses his signature move, in which I'm guessing was a crowd-pleasing bring down the house on opening night. Oh, sure. Well, and it's funny because his plan where he's like, all right, I'm going to pop him in the nards and run away. <laughs> 
Which he does. I didn't yeah. realize you could also run away during these fights. Yeah, apparently you can go anywhere you want on the island. You can use yeah. your environment. And he just, like, knocks him off a ledge. Yeah. The end of Goro. Really, really, really low-key and not that impressive. And then, so this is the point where Shang Tsung's like, I'm going to the outworld, right? And he takes Sonya Blade. Well, Johnny Cage, uh, he volunteers to fight Goro after um, Art gets killed. And Shang Tsung is like, I'll, I'll let you do that. Like, go out of order with the, with the matches. If you give me the concession that I can uh, challenge whoever I want and fight. None of this personally. made any sense. None of it made any sense. No. no. Because I was like, wait, so if one person decides and that decides for everybody. Yeah. And why did he have to go to the outer world? I don't know. But all that's important is that Shang Tsung kidnaps Sonya Blade and goes to the outworld. And then our heroes chase after them to another dimension. Yeah, Shang Tsung's plan, or at least what he says, is he's going to make Sonya accept a fight with him. Right. Yeah. And at this point, I looked at the runtime and I was like, there's only like 15 minutes left of this movie. How are we going to a whole new location? <laughs> well, Because the new- other thing was they said there was like three things they had to do, like a quest to get into that place. No, and it's so dumb because that those quest things are just barely even there and they all happen at the very end with Shang Tsung between Liu Kang and Shang Tsung. Oh, I thought they just happened off screen. I was like, are we well, not doing that? He's the like, quest? you must face yourself and your fear and it's like these different, I, at least that's how I read it, but. Yeah, no, Katana tells him that. It's like, you have to yeah. face yourself and your fear and <laughs> something else. But see, I, no, just, I just going back to being like, oh, it's a new location. I bet you differ because what's out there it's a kind of courtyard road <laughs> some buildings some now this is a new location litter on them and it's it also was actually one of the uh, temples from yeah. yeah but this was filmed uh, in a steel mill outside of los angeles oh snap so while they did bring all those statues with them it is actually in a, a one new place wow but inexplicably you know so reptile's been following them and attacks or no, actually, this is the second time that Liu Kang just sees him when he's and invisible. He grabs he grabs him. They have a little kind of fight, and then somehow Reptile falls into a statue, which then, like, hooks up to him, and then he becomes Reptile the ninja. Yes. And this is a great fight. It's Yeah, like I said, it's probably my favorite. It goes on for a good while, and they, they battle back and forth. There's some really, actually, fun kung fu that happens in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we get to see... The third major Mortal Kombat 2 reference. Well, that's true. Liu Kang, he does the bicycle kick. That's it. Which was awesome. It was like, why keep doing it? (laughs) I want more. (laughs) But the ending of the fight was a little too weird for me. Reptile becomes ninja because he, like, I don't know, Liu Kang, like, kicks him into one of those crucified gutless statues. And then it, like, takes him over, turns him into a ninja. And then when he's beaten, it's like... Goes back to a statue, but there's all these like worms and maggots and like cockroaches and stuff just like pouring out of it. It's like Temple of Doom. It makes no Um, sense. Yeah. And then he grabs the uh, mini reptile creature and kills it and then crushes it with his boot. Yeah. Should have done that to begin with, man. I know. But then it's on to Shang Tsung's tower, right? Where we get to see the captive and hilariously redressed Sonya Blade. And I was really confused about this redress because usually a villain will redress the lady to be in a usually more scantily clad or sexier outfit. Or more glamorous. You know, like yeah, or more glamorous. Or Maybe yeah. dress them up. But no, she's just in some weird different robes. No, she's in like 
it, it looks like somebody took like a brown leather purse and yes. like ripped it open and then wrapped it around her. Like she looks like, a, oh, not only did they take the time to put her in this outfit and tie her up like they're sacrificing her to King Claw, uh, someone had time to do her hair, take it out of that ponytail, tease it up. Well, they don't nice- talk about this that much, but that's what Shang Tsung before he started working for the other guy in the outer world. He used to run mm-hmm. a, a hair and nail salon. And at this point, they just give up on trying to make sense out of anything. Yeah. Because the sacrifice is about to happen. And Sonia says, don't worry, my friends are going to come save me. You know, he's trying to get her to fight him. Yeah. And since she won't, you know, he keeps saying, he's like, well, if you don't fight me, you'll forfeit. But those aren't the rules, I guess. But they get there. Johnny Cage challenges him and he accepts. But then Luke Kang, or no, he challenges Johnny Cage. And then Luke Kang Well, you're missing the best part. When they say that, of course, the monks around her are her friends. They take their hoods off and they're like, we're already here. Oh, yeah. They were in the whole time. And they never explain that. They're there. Great. I love that they give up. Just their standard Scooby-Doo vibe. Yes. Yeah. And then so, of course, Luke Kang is like, no, I will. I challenge you. And Shang Tsung, his hubris means he's got to fight him. Yep. And this is the first time in the movie that Shang Tsung takes that badass leather duster with all mm-hmm. that sweet red embroidery on it and the collar pop. This is the first time in this entire movie he takes that off. And he's got, he's like, got some guns. Yeah, dude, he's mm-hmm. got some guns. He's got like this sweet little silky waistcoat and everything. Like I was like, you like, go, Shang Tsung. Let's do I, it. Yeah, it's kind of gross. He's like, I wore, I wore this leather duster like all across the world on the spooky ship on a hot beach. And then he takes it off and all he has is like a waistcoat with no shirt or anything, you know, underneath yeah. it. I'm just like, jeez, <laughs> Shang Tsung. Are you supposed to be like the emperor's right-hand guy? And at some point in this fight, that's when he harnesses his true power. The fact that he has the soul of the souls of a thousand warriors built up in him. Yeah, so he and, resurrects or and summons like six fighters. That's yeah, that is represented by nine people. Those thousand souls are represented by nine guys standing around. Oh, all the most generic looking fighters you've ever seen. Yeah, they're the, they're the top nine. But Liu Kang dispatches them and then proceeds to battle with Shang Tsung. And this was like uh, the second best fight of the movie, I think. Agreed. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. And then, you know, predictably, he turns into his brother. Yeah. And then, you know, he has to somehow that like <laughs> confuse. He's like, you're not my real brother. And it's like, well, duh. He just turned into it. You're you're an idiot. But they have a fight, and then Luke Kang does a quote unquote special move where he punches him, and it's like it kind of looks like a what's a fireball? A little like red lightning comes out, you know? Yeah, yeah, lightning. It's like an electric. I don't know. Has has some flavor to it. But he then yeah pushes him off. They were fighting on a ledge above a Mortal Kombat symbol where spikes came out of the dragon part. Not unlike the spike stage in Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's where. Shang Tsung meets his end. He is knocked off and onto those spikes. Mm -hmm. And that's when our hero says, flawless victory. Mm -hmm. Which it was not because he got punched a whole lot. Yes, that that doesn't mean what you think it means. (laughs) Oh, and then you're treated to one heck of an ending. Yeah, you're back on Earth. Raiden's there. They're all happy. All those Asian kids are so happy to see their god, the white guy of lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, Shao Kahn appears in the sky. The sky turns like into an evil hellscape. <laughs> yeah. Which, hey, you know, the voice of Shao Kahn 
is Frank Welker. I was just going to bring it up. It's de- it's 100% Dr. Claw, where he's like, you gadget. <laughs> and then our heroes all make a fighting stance because they're going to fight this giant evil cloud. <laughs> and that's it. Then <laughs> the movie ends. I've come for your souls. I don't think so. This is it. The final portion of our show, the review portion. And of course, we use the classic made-up system based on the made-up Nintendo Power System. That it's four categories, each category a possible score from zero to five, starting with cinematography and sound. I gave this movie a 3.0. Um, yeah. Yeah, what's, uh, yeah, I'd say it's about the same, but what would you say is uh, a strength and which is a weakness? Well, I think the locations are a huge selling point. Like, they picked the right places to film outdoors, and they all look great. And I think they also did a great job of using the songs from the soundtrack, that techno music, in the fight scenes. It does give them a little extra kinetic energy, and it makes you feel like you're in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, on the downside, the sets look like the most sets of all sets. Yeah, like the courtyard is, is truly looks like some Legends of the Hidden Temple or Finders Keepers type stuff, you know? Yeah, I'm giving it a 2.5, because even though I, I like the sets, you know what I mean? Um, know like statues and it's like humans or like other you know alien races with different armor and stuff like that like they look like they were turned to stone in action or something yeah that's really cool and then the beach i guess that's cool and the ship but you know i like all that stuff the first time that i saw it but everything just gets recycled so much like they get to the island and the island is just like this tall tower they go to the outer world and then it's just another big tall tower. And then all of those, you know, statues, they have all those statues in the outer world too. And then when they do fight on the beach, they have two fights on the beach that are basically identical. In oh, they are. They shot those in the exact yeah. same yeah. afternoon. Yeah. But yeah, all those statues and stuff, I'm pretty sure I can pick those up. Like, they're all just made of styrofoam. Uh, and they definitely look like it. But yeah, my, my favorite, I guess, for would be the scorpion johnny cage fight even though i you know like i was saying before i mean it's it's not really filmed for like a good fight sequence you know like there there's a lot of filming of extraneous stuff or stuff that you know if you learn how to be a director professionally you would know not to film the bottom of a platform that your actors are on what What was paul's only his second major film so. Oh, goodness. Um, I'd go with a 3.0, I think. I like the, the outdoor shots are pretty good. Most of the indoor shots are fine. You know, it's all relatively good. And, and I like the soundtrack, so. <laughs> Next up is game representation. How much does this movie represent the actual game it's based on? And I gave this game, movie a 2.5. I would, I would agree with that. I think, you know, it's way better than Street Fighter 2 yeah. in that regard. I mean, it's, it's you way have more, yeah. almost all the main characters in this film are from the game. And yeah. they have similar backstories to their characters in the game. And we get to see moves and finishers, that kind of stuff. Very nothing, few, though. <laughs> true. You but know. nothing pulls me out of that world. Yeah. I mean, Abby? at the same time, though, I would say that there are several deviations, like 
Scorpion Spear, Reptile himself, and things where it's just like, these were definitely changed and not for the better, you know? Mm-hmm. I I didn't think that everyone was uh, distinct enough. Because in the game, it's like digitized, like actors, right? Yes. Okay, so they're not cartoony and everything. They're just people. But they didn't like make the make them look different enough that you're like, oh, as soon as this person walks on screen, you're like, oh, well, I know that that's this this person. It's like for the costumes, the only good ones I really think were Sub Zero and uh, Scorpion. But I mean, and Raiden the first time you see him, you Raiden the first time, yeah. And then as soon as that hat comes off, yikes! Also, I just want to say Johnny Cage's shirt sucks. Oh man, hey. <laughs> Speaking of clothes and stuff, everyone who wears, like, jeans or slacks in this movie, like, all of the zippers on their pants are, like, 13 inches long. (laughs) Like, it's, like, half their inseam is, like, this giant zipper that goes up to their belly button. But they have their blousey blouse (laughs) tucked into. I'm going to rewatch it just to be on zipper watch. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm not just a psycho that looks at zippers. Um, I'm talking about, like... Those pants back then for dudes, it was like, they're like mom jeans, you know? They like come up to like your bottom rib. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Next up is Challenge to Watch Factor. Abby, what would you rank this? The higher score is the harder it is to watch. Oh, yikes. Oh, okay. I'd, I'd give it at least a four. I mean, it's just so boring. And none of the, I mean, I'm not that big of a fan of the game. In fact, you could say I'm have played the pinball version <laughs> of Mortal Kombat more than I have the Mortal Kombat game. But yeah, it's and, just so boring. And with my limited knowledge of the video game, I, I was excited to see things. You know, it's like, oh, it's going to be super violent. And then all the like finishers and special moves and stuff. And uh, just none of that was there. Just just made it really boring. And, and, the, uh, and the main characters are so stupid. Like... <laughs> They're, they're, yes. uh, it's like having, uh, like all three of them are Kurt Russell from Big Trouble in Little China, where they're just running around like, <laughs> what? And then have to have someone tell them like, you go hit that person. But it's done in such a goofy way that I had to give it a 2.0. I, I thought this was actually a pretty easy watch. Uh, once you get past that boring first chunk, then you got nonstop fun, goofiness. There's plenty to make fun of, plenty to laugh at and, and have lighthearted fun with. I do think that you need to point out to the the fans of the show that you guys had also watched the Snyder Cut for four hours, I think, sometime soon before watching this movie. Yeah. yeah. We were so that might have taken away some of your uh, the brevity of it for you. <laughs> uh, patience. Yeah. I, I was completely out of patience after the five and a half hours I spent yeah. watching the Snyder Cut. Yeah. yeah really, so what would you uh, rank, rank this as challenge to watch factor? I, I would go with at least a four. I was just so bored. Um, there's two fights I, I actually liked. And then a lot of the things, I guess maybe three, but it was just like this movie was constantly like Johnny Cage. There was always something, whether it's Johnny Cage's shirt, Luke Hang's shirt. I hate the way Goro looks. Get, you know, there was, oh, there was something almost every shot that angered me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have theme and fun. Well, I'd give it a five. Oh, really? You thought it was that fun? I, I, yeah, I still love this movie. Like, I've, I've still, I've, like, thought about it every day since we watched it. Um, I'm I'm very glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Because I also, I gave it a 4.0. Oh, okay. Nick? Oh, I would go 2.0. I didn't really like it the first time, but I remembered thinking, well, it's got to be better than Street Fighter. 
but I don't think it was. Oh, it like, so was. Now, <laughs> what were you going to say, Abby? Well, I mean, it's Here, like me, for, um, it's it's for all ages. I, that's what yeah. This movie is it's, it's good. so goofy yeah. and not pretentious in any way, shape, or form. It knows it is a goofy movie, and yeah. you know those final fight scenes are are luckily the best fight scenes are in the back part of the movie. <laughs> if that last fight scene was the worst one, I may have a different taste in my mouth going out. But I went with you, Abby. It was just so goofy that I have thought about how hilarious some of these things were for the past week or so. Yeah. <laughs> and so I end every episode of the show with the same question, although this time slightly different than normal. And I'll start with Abby. Should you watch this movie? Yes, everyone should. I agree. Have to watch this movie at least one time, especially if you're, you know, a classic video game fan. And Nick, I would say no. This movie's boring, and it's like Street Fighter was totally unlike Street Fighter, but I kind of had this GI Joe charm to it that I didn't expect or look for. But here, I was just like, it was too boring, and I felt like there was just too much bland backstory for the main three characters like that's not what we're here for or i'm not so no yeah better version of this movie or i don't know why this movie even attempted it but enter the dragon watch that first and then watch mortal Kombat, and then you'll find it even funnier let's not even pretend like that's an option yeah Uh, but i did say yes because i said yes but don't watch this alone this is a movie you need to laugh at with some friends or family and i said feel free to fast forward through the first 30 to 40 minutes yeah. until, you get to the, until they get to the island. You will miss out n- nothing on the backstory or plots at all. Very wise. Yeah, treat it with reverence. <laughs> Sa- savor the good parts. Next week's game is a game, and by popular request from our fans and my family, we are playing Pokemon. That's right, the original, red and blue. So join us for what might become Pokemay. <laughs> we know this is going to be more than one episode. We're just not sure how many it's going to be, but don't worry, we're going to break it up the way we did our last big chunk with our Secret of Mana, so you're not going to be hearing just huge exposition dumps like uh, rating gives you. You're going to get a little bit of history and a little bit of everything with each episode. So find a copy of that game and play it any way you can, friends. That's right, folks. And if you disagree with my hot take on Street Fighter being better than Mortal Kombat, let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. Or perhaps, you know, hearing the lovely voice of Miss Abby has got you excited for the return of OG RPG when I go on vacation again this summer. (laughs) That's right. Stay tuned. And if you'd like uh, to say hi to her or let us know that you like her voice more than ours, you can do so at Cartridge Command on Facebook or Cart Command on the Twitterverse. But of course, we always go out of our way to thank those kind, wonderful, and awesome folks to give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command. It is their support that makes this show possible. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. When things uh, go wrong, like the cable that is broken that we need to replace it is thanks to our supporters and patrons that we can do that we're just a couple of working class guys we make this show in our spare time for all of you and your support makes that happen and if you'd like to hear more cartridge command maybe expand this empire maybe have that og rpg be a more permanent part of the show you could always consider giving to us if you don't already even a dollar would help we'd love it yeah i need a dollar wouldn't you like to have some more work to do abby I mean, if you call playing RPGs work, 
I mean, it's we're hanging out with this dude. Oh. Having a, <laughs> taking his direction. I don't um, blame you there. <laughs> so if you don't give, consider doing so. And those that do, thank you so very, very much. Oh, well, uh, actually, this is a pop quiz, Cartridge Commandos. Uh-oh. I wasn't Mortal, prepared for this. Uh-huh. Mortal Kombat, what is one of the most memorable things about this movie or the game, is going to be the song, right? Of course. Okay, so pop quiz. Can you guys tell me what order they say the names of the fighters in in the song? Oh no! I will give no. you. I will give you a hint. It's okay. only the ones from the first game, and it's seven names. Okay. And you have to say them in the voices, and you can confer, but you got to say it in the voice. I can only think of him saying Johnny Cage and Liu Kang. That's correct, Eric. There, so those I'm... are two names that are in the song. Are those the first two though? No. Darn. I thought Liu Kang was the first one. No. Is it Kano? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is, is, wait, Sonya. No. Here it goes. Kano, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage. Okay, I don't know. Sub-Zero, okay. Scorpion. Well, Scorpion comes before Sub-Zero. I at least know that. No, it's Kano, Liu Kang, Raiden, Johnny Cage, Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Sonya. Mortal Kombat! Test your might. I can tell sorry. you, I, I knew that was part of the song. I know, sorry. I don't I don't sing well, and I know you don't no. have singing on your podcast, but it's that song might is now. infectious. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you all got that quiz a little better than Nick and I did. <laughs> and as always, Cartridge Commandos, Game On! I think so. Okay. That's Nick's biggest criticism of me. What, well, I, yeah. don't, I don't get close enough to the microphone. Yeah, I know. We were complaining about our, our significant others the other day, and he's like, I love Abby so much, but <laughs> she just never gets close enough to the microphone for me, man. <laughs> <laughs>